0: Hi you guys, Hope here. So you're about to hear the second episode of Hope Makes Chris Car- Watch Cartoons, and we recorded this just as I was launching the Patreon, and there are more of you guys here, so I wanted to make sure I had time to properly thank you guys for being part of the show, and being here, and listening. It means the world to me to have you guys support me. So I wanted to go ahead and give a hearty thank you to Billy, Lynn, Patrick, Bree, Alex, Kate, and Heather. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show and supporting me. And yeah, I'm so happy you guys are here. So without further ado, here is Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. What the hell is this? Oh, this is so boring. What else is on? Hi everyone, welcome to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, a Patreon-exclusive podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Molinax and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, when Dipper and Mabel hear rumors of a monster that lives at the bottom of a local lake, they enlist Seuss to take them on a boat expedition to prove that it really does exist. We're talking about Gravity Falls, Legend of the Gumbel, Gobblewonker, blah, this week. Can't talk today. How are you doing, Chris? Good. Woo, episode two! We made it to episode two! <laughs> I'm still just excited that you're watching Gravity Falls. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I, I know that we recorded episode one and two together, and it's only been ten minutes, but how you doing in the ten minutes?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so far my bladder's a little emptier than before. Yes. otherwise, about the same.
0: Got myself a nice, fresh cup of fizzy drink, so, yeah.
1: I'm finishing off the other half of my Yerba Mate tea from the last one, so I'll be a little more caffeinated by the time we're done
0: Hell yeah! A little bit I'm doing good too, I'm just very happy to be here and I'm ready to talk some some Gravity Falls again and get into more of a to me like more of a little bit more of a meaty episode, I think this episode has a little bit of extra stuff in it than the first one does So
1: Interesting
0: I actually have way more notes for this episode than I do the second one or the first a, one.
1: I have about the same amount, but like, yeah, I. But you know the whole scope of the thing of the thing too, so there's that. Yeah. I, I I like this one a little like slightly less than the first one, and maybe it's just because I didn't like the Gobly Wonker as much as I like the Gnome Collective.
0: I just like that you call it the Gnome Collective. The Gnome
1: Collective. <laughs> We are the Gnome Collective.
0: We are from France. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sorry, throwing a little bit of cone heads in there. All right, well, you ready to get into this episode? Yes. I would ask what you thought about it, but you just told me. So I I like... I think this...
1: It's not that I didn't like it. It's just like, if we were scoring this in point land, it would (laughs) probably get a point less than the other one, but not, you know, it wasn't like, ew, I don't like this one.
0: This one... I think had a lot more emotional things that resonated with me. I I related to a lot of things in this episode, so I think that's why to me. And it doesn't feel this as this one pa- actually like-
1: had. This one actually had the like a family dynamics. This one actually had, like the first one established the characters. This one definitely went more towards establishing the dynamics between the between the characters of the kids and the and Grunkle Stan.
0: And, and for me like this one's less piloty. like i like that you just go right into the episode instead of having like dipper narrate the opening so it, it's more of like all right this is a standard gravity falls adventure while the first one just it, it felt more piloty to me so all right you ready to get into this
1: yeah i'm glad they're not going to use the like oh my god here's what's happening here's how we got here every time i'm glad that's not going to be like the format of the show all right you ready i'm ready
0: The Legend of the Gobblewonker is the second episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on June 29th, 2012. It was written by Alex Hirsch and Michael Rianda, and it was directed by John Ayoshima. Some extra information for you. I'm going to let you guys know now, one of my favorite things in the world is connecting voice actors to other projects, because I love when I watch other shows, and I'm just like, oh, that voice is so-and-so from that show! Oh, man! So whenever there are new characters introduced, I'm going to be telling you their voice actor and what other work they've done because I just like stuff like that. So this is the first episode of Gravity Falls to introduce a lot of the townspeople. So let's run through who voices them because the townspeople are recurring characters. Lazy Susan, the diner worker who catches the fish in the pan and she's like, fishy, fishy, get in my pan, is voiced by Jennifer Coolidge. Her other works include Legally Blonde, American Pie, and The Loud House. Manly Dan Corduroy, who is the lumberjack who was punching fishes for his sons, is voiced by John DiMaggio. His other work includes Bender from Futurama, Dystopia, Amphibia, and just a slew of voice work, including one of he, our favorites, Star Wars Resistance.
1: He does a lot of voices. He does. I never would have. I never would have picked him out from Bender.
0: Yeah, um, when he was just like, I'm going to show you how to fish like a real man. <laughs> dad, 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 dad. Do you remember the episode of Resistance, the Vox Vortex 5000, where it has the hut? Yes. He's the voice of the hut in that ah. episode. So uh, He's not the only hut in this either. We'll get to that in a second. Tyler Cutebiker, who is the guy that always says, get him, get him, is voiced by Will Forte, whose other work includes Saturday Night Live, 30 Rock, and The Last Man on Earth. Old Man McGucket is also voiced by series creator and voice of Seuss and Grunkle Stan, Alex Hirsch. Toby Determined, uh, who is the guy taking the photo, is voiced by Greg Turkington, who is best known for his comedic character Neil Hamburger.
1: I love Neil Hamburger.
0: He, Toby Determined is an ongoing uh, character in this too.
1: Have you ever? Have you ever seen? I'm glad somebody's given Neil Hamburger some work because he's he. Uh, yeah, he's hilarious.
0: <laughs> sheriff Blubs is voiced by kevin michael richardson his other work includes a slew of animation work including the cleveland show the steven universe he was nominated for two daytime emmys for voicing the joker in the batman animated series and i didn't note this but he's also the voice of of the hut in clone wars so now we have two huts on the show <laughs> and Old Man McGucket was originally going to sing the song about the Gobblewonker and about how it's gonna get you, but it was cut because it made the episode's length too long and because they realized that Old Man McGucket was a terrible singer. Although it's canonically the second episode, this is the first episode that was written and produced. And finally, when Mabel does the voice pretending to be the pelican, it's Alex Hirsch's voice instead of Kristen Schaal's.
1: He does a really good job of doing an impression of her as for character doing a deeper voice, that's some—that's some very good voice acting. He sounds like a woman trying to do a deeper voice. It's that—that that was really good. I had no idea that that was his voice.
0: You want to hear a joke? <laughs> yeah. So, as always, uh, hope makes Chris watch cartoons is broken into three parts. Part one will be talking about the stories and the themes and the characters. Part two will be Chris's speculation and theories corner, and part three we'll talk about the ciphers and the cryptograms and the connections to previous episode. So let's get into it. Chris, what was your favorite part of the episode?
1: I I have to say, my favorite thing about it was that lively banjo music at the end. Ooh, that was some good music. Is it a, on two different for one? As a banjo player myself, a locked banjo. But that, it's a nice little song. It's that you don't hear speedy banjo chase music anymore in soundtracks. It specifically sounds like the banjo music, and this is getting also maybe too, and too old for for hope. But there was a show called Land of the Lost.
0: I remember Land of the Lost.
1: Land of the Lost had banjo music very like whenever the shit hit the fan and Land of the Lost is like really like upbeat but kind of kind of chasey banjo music would start and uh, this reminded me totally of and it was usually dinosaurs chasing them around so it was a it was a giant sea creature Supposedly chasing them around in this one, so it was. I I think it was a direct reference to Land of the Lost, but I loved it. It was well recorded, and it was just a nice little piece of music. You'd usually, here it's it's less generic than most music you're going to hear in a, a cartoon because.
0: Now that I think about it, it's also kind of foreshadowing because, of course, we find out that it's Old Man McGucket inside the unker. so it's also in a weird kind of way a little bit of foreshadowing because. Why? Who else has that music as their theme? It's Old Man McGucket. Like whenever he's in the show, there's always a banjo playing. Right. So and and, now that I think about it, that's a really nice piece of foreshadowing too. And,
1: and Land of the Lost starts out with the music and them in a boat, in a canoe. So it's it's got like all these elements from Land of the Lost in it without being like, like Land of the Lost, just enough elements of it to just put it in there subliminally. I just thought that was, I thought that was great. I was like, literally stopping and going this is a nice piece of music and they usually don't take have the time and money and effort to like make the music really good for these shows it just has to sort of function yeah
0: yeah um, for me I,
1: I would listen to that piece of music just as a as a song on my like iPad while I was working.
0: For, for me, my favorite part, I, I don't know why, but every time I see it, it just makes me die laughing. I just love the beaver gag of them having subtitles going, I love cavorting! That deserves a hug! We're still beavers! <laughs> it makes me laugh every single time! It's so fucking funny, and I don't know why. One of my predictions
1: is I, think, is I predict the beavers are going to be a running gag in this show. Okay. And maybe even there might even be something where we find out the beavers have something something going on. But I just have a feeling there's going to be more beavers in the show.
0: I will say one weird thing though I discovered was I, I'm assuming you you didn't watch this on Disney Plus, right? No. So you saw the original white subtitles, right, with the very like kind of bubbly lettering for their subtitles.
1: I didn't see any subtitles at all. Really? Yeah.
0: Because the Beavers have subtitles.
1: Oh, no, no. I did see subtitles on the Beavers. Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, they, weren't, they
1: weren't running subtitles on the show, but yes, the Beavers had their, yes.
0: So something I discovered, because when I was watching this on Disney+, and I got to the beaver scene, and because the first time I was watching it, I was just watching it just for fun, and then the second time I was taking notes, and I noticed the first time I was like, where's the Beavers' subtitle? they had edited out the Beaver subtitles. And so you only can read their subtitles if you turn on the subtitles of Disney+. Plus. And then they used the Disney Plus subtitles, which don't always work, but it's such a weird choice right. because well, they I, actually I, created the subtitles for the episode and then Disney Plus went back, edited out the show's own subtitles made for the episode, I, and I then added their own. I think I know what's own. going
1: on here. I think I know what's going on here. And what they should have done with the show is I would have figured that that those weren't even like real subtitles. I would have figured that those were like hard coded onto the animation. That's what I thought. they they, They were quote unquote subtitles. They were they were subtitles there because nobody speaks beaver. But they probably did code them on there so they could take them off so they could put them up in Spanish or whatever other language it is. And oh, my, uh, what I'm thinking is, is when Disney put all the shows on Disney Plus, they had to come up with a subtitle thing that was, you know, the same for for each show so that they could manage them. So they probably redid the subtitles of all the shows and in doing so messed up some of them. That because is, they so probably true. took everything that was a subtitle and made it into a new file and in the process of doing that, they didn't realize in the context of this show that no matter what, <laughs> you need those subtitles up for the show to make any sense. But they didn't know that in the context. They just
0: that, that makes sense because I, I put it on Twitter, like an image of like the Disney Plus version and then the original version that I, that I pulled off of YouTube. And when I, when I mentioned that, uh, somebody had written back to me, that there's another instance where they use subtitles in the show. Um, later on in the series, you're gonna find that one of the the the, the family watches a show called Duck Detective, and it's about a duck who's a detective, Duck Detective, and Duck Detective speaks in quacks, so he has his own subtitles too in the show. Somebody on Twitter wrote me, they're like, yeah, they they redid all of Duck subtitles as well. And but that makes sense. I didn't think of it that way that they had would have to translate that for different languages. I didn't think about that. that that's a very valid point. I, don't know, I just I-, I guess I'm so used to watching anime that a lot of times in anime you'll see like kanji, which is Japanese. And they'll have like even if you're watching like an English dub, they'll have right. the English subtitles under the kanji so you know what the kanji says without having to actually change the kanji. So I'm so used to seeing that. So I just feel like if you have subtitles, just add, like, under it, like, in French or Spanish, like, I love cavorting, we're still beavers. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like that's so much simpler than wiping all the subtitles and then redoing them. Because Disney+, Plus, you're a great service, but your subtitles fucking suck.
1: Yeah, they're, like, you know, they're figuring it out. They're, it's a new, it's a new thing. And, you know, they, and they've think- taken all these things that were dubbed and subtitled and done. At different points in time by different companies and different people and if you try to all have them on the same thing at once it's just going to be a mess you have and, to sort of
0: and i think where it's it's because it's so uneven because like i remember watching the subtitles for the mandalorian and they um like they can spell trandoshan right but I'm watching Gravity Falls and there are spelling errors yeah. in the subtitles of Gravity Falls. It all, it
1: all <laughs> depends on what intern was working that day, probably. Yeah, you it's
0: know. so uneven. And I was actually watching Clone Wars recently um because I watched the first when I watched Clone Wars, I watched the first episode the, the episode just for my enjoyment. And then I watch it again with subtitles on for when I write my reviews for Geeky Girl Experience. And I was watching it with the subtitles and they're leaving out whole conversations. Like there's a conversation with Rafa and Ahsoka in the fourth Ahsoka's walkabout arc. And they don't even have most of Rafa's subtitles in that scene. Yeah. They have Ahsoka's uh, subtitles, but they don't have Rafa's. And it's, I think that's why it drives me a little bit crazy. I think, yeah,
1: there's no excuse for that one. But like yeah. the Mandalorian is being made right now, so like they, they they their writers team are spelling transdotion and stuff like that. But like gra- like the Gravity Falls subtitles aren't being done by the the production team; they're being done by an intern working at Disney Plus, yeah. going back over it, you know, and not like might not know how a character's name is spelled or that there's you know there's there's all or get something wrong because they don't have the script to to check against or something like that you know they're 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 doing it by listening to the show rather than looking at the script you know and they they messed up with the simpsons too by like you know changing the aspect ratio and cutting gags out of it that you couldn't see and stuff like that that they had to fix it's going to be a process of them trying to figure out how to do it
0: the one that made me kind of (laughs) laugh was um when manly dan gets the fish and starts punching it his sons are going dad 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 but the subtitles wrote dead, like D-E-A-D, dead, 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 dead. And I'm like, yeah. they're, they're saying dad. <laughs> what the so somebody
1: wasn't listening very closely with the. I like that whole sequence. A lot of this stuff takes me back to being a kid. And like all the families on the boats were all like I knew families like all those families. They they did a really good job of showing that just in, in broad strokes, the different, ty- you know, that 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 family was the dad you know the athletic dad family where the dad's a little over aggressive but the kids are but everybody's like a healthy family you know what i mean everybody's like used to their own little family dynamic
0: can i give you the tiniest tiniest spoiler
1: uh, uh, they're going to turn up again?
0: So, so, yeah, but... Uh, I like, figure uh,
1: almost everybody's going to turn up again. But, but the
0: tiniest, tiniest spoiler is the guy who was punching the fish and the three boys. That's Wendy's family from episode one. Like, that's her dad.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So just d- the tiniest of spoilers. That's Wendy's family. So, like, that. that's where she comes from. But that actually leads into, like, my first note. Um, One of my favorite parts of Gravity Falls is the townspeople. And this is the first kind of, like, introduction to them, like, seeing them in this town. And, like, that to me is... the, The townspeople is one of the best parts of the show because that's what makes the world so lovely and believable is that you have... Lazy Susan, who's the the woman with the one eye closed trying to get a fish, like she works at the diner. So every time they get to the diner, you're going to see Lazy Susan. The guy taking the picture of the guy with the fish, he works at the newspaper. So, like, you're going to see him. You're going to see Manly Dan in the bar. So every time they visit these locations, you're going to see these characters over and over again. And I, I love it so much that they didn't just, like, have just random NPCs, well, like, that's... wandering around in the background. Like, they no. actually developed these characters. When
1: you grow up in a small, isolated town, that's the way it is. Everybody's a big character in a small town. Like, I have, I have relatives uh, and friends up in, in Oregon, and I grew up in the wilds of the New York North Country, and I, like, worked up in the just middle of nowhere in Minnesota, and that's the way it is. Everybody in the town knows everybody else and everybody develops a whether it's themselves or just through reputation in the town. Everybody has a big personality and everybody knows who everybody is, at least in broad strokes. So all those characters on the, and, and there's very few things to do. So the town does things as a town a lot because it's like it's fishing season. Everybody goes fishing. Everybody sees each other and they all have their, you know, friendships and squabbles and all that. But that is really what, like, it would be like if you lived up in the middle of, I think, um, that show Northern Exposure really, like, set the precedent for, like, portraying people in a small town as real characters, other than being hicks, without taking away the total hickiness of them. You know what, actually? Nuanced hicks. Intelligent hicks. (laughs)
0: You know what it actually reminds me uh, a lot of, um, of another one of our favorite shows that we talk about a lot on our other podcast, J. Guys and Jedi? It reminds me a lot of Star Wars Resistance uh, and the people of the Colossus.
1: Sure, sure, yeah. It's the same sort of thing. You're, 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 You're isolated together.
0: Yeah, and so, like, it's not like, you know, they're walking through and you'll see, like, Orca and Flux in the background, or you'll see, like, the Gorg Salesman or Aunt Z's Bar. I love Gravity Falls for that because, like none of the townspeople, like, ha- are, like, really super, like, main story people, but they're always there, and they always add this flavor in this character. And as Dipper and Mabel, like, continue on their journey, like, those people are always there, and, and they're kind of like Seuss. Like, they're they're very much the ground of this, of this series. So, like, when things happen, like, you care about the people of this town, and you care about, like, their stories and, like, their drama. And, like, some of them do have stories, like later on in the series we're gonna see what happens when there's a mayor's race like what happens when there's a mayor's race in this town yeah and and, like, and
1: <laughs> once you once you learn to get to know him you get get to look forward to being like okay where's the get when's the guy gonna say get him uh, yeah, <laughs> as get soon him, as the town's people him. start rioting, somebody's gonna say you know you're gonna have get him guy you know it's <laughs> the simpsons established that stuff a lot too the simpsons yeah. got that role in too
0: That is absolutely, like, one of my favorite parts of this episode. Because, like, now as I'm going back and rewatching the series, I'm just like, oh, look, it's Lazy Season, and it's Tyler, and and Manly Dan. And so, like, I'm just so excited about that. Because it is one of my favorite parts of Gravity Falls as a show. And (laughs) I I also just like how it's also sort of commentary on, like, other shows and movies. And it kind of slightly pokes fun at them a little bit. Like, I recently just watched... The Sonic the Hedgehog movie, like, the live-action one with Jim Carrey.
1: I heard and, it wasn't too bad. I heard it it's was... Fun. It was, it's fun! it was enjoyable, yeah.
0: It's very much in the same vein as Detective Pikachu. And it's it's one of those movies, like, don't think about it, just have fun. And, it, like, I grew up with Sonic as a kid. Like, my very first comic book I ever bought was a Sonic the Hedgehog comic. So, like, it's always been one of those fandoms that I've just been kind of, like, that's always kind of been in my life. And it, it was a lot of fun, but, like, they had a... It starts in a small town, And they have, like, a character named Crazy Carl, who's the old man McGucket of the town. Right, right. You have the sheriff's deputy, who is very much the sheriff blubs of this town. And it's fun, and I like how it's kind of like this commentary about, like, other shows of having these kind of, like, fun characters, and I love it. Yeah, Song of the Hedgehog was a fun movie. Jim Carrey is, like, makes that movie, it's very 90s Jim Carrey, and it's a callback to his 90s selves. And you can just tell he's having the best time in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He's just having so much fun. It's it's If you've seen Detective Pikachu and you like Detective Pikachu, just watch Sonic the Hedgehog. It's very much in the same vein. So, what were some of your thoughts on the episode?
1: I liked it. I didn't like the monster as much, although it was a nice little... Uh it was kind of a little rip on Scooby-Doo I think it in a way and a rip on supervillains and Scooby Scooby-Doo and was, you know it's it was the old man after all and then him have, having the flimsiest motivations of all to be even doing his thing plus they, plus the way they laid out his motivations in the beginning you know with his son being like oh dad you know blah blah you know they they totally they totally, you know, put it out there in the beginning. So when he was just like, I don't get paid attention to by my son.
0: What do you think about old man McGucket?
1: He's okay. He's just a comedy character, you know. He's your your hill. He looks like the hillbilly on the the original packaging of Mountain Dew, you know, the classic. The classic. He's he's a take on the classic hillbilly character. Only they made him. They gave him a twist by making him incredibly like. Mechanically competent. (laughs) Like super villain mechanically competent. Talking like a dumb hick, but he can build mechanical robots.
0: He's a comedy character?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Just comedy?
1: Well, I mean you sure
0: about
1: that? Well Okay, whatever (laughs) whatever hopes. Remember uh,
0: Remember it's Gravity Falls, trust no one.
1: Yeah. No, I mean I mean like if he threw (laughs) out his character, he's kind of a tragic character. He's a super villain. He's, he's he's got the supervillain moti- motivations and stuff, but it's done in a very broad ding dang a doodle loo sort of way. He's so, you know he's the he's the hick version of Lex Luthor or something like that.
0: Hick <laughs> version sure of Lex Luthor. <laughs> You're not wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I like that. And Lex, Luther and
1: Lex Luthor in the original comic book manner even, too, where his motivations were he became a supervillain because when he and Clark Kent were kids in high school together, they did a science experiment that went wrong that burned his hair off, and he's hated Clark Kent, ever, blamed him ever since. I so like that's like
0: the idea of, like Clark, of uh, Lex Luthor just being like, ding, ding, Superman,
1: scrap-a-doodles. <laughs> Burnt off my ding dang little little hair off my off the top of my skull, <laughs> off the top of my noggin. You took the hair from my <laughs> noggin, Superman. Now I'm gonna take your life. <laughs>
0: I actually also love that Alex Hirsch just voices him and Seuss and Grunkle Stan, and they're all very different characters.
1: <laughs> I was in a country band for 10 years so I like revel in doing it. I was on the stage all the time like, yeah, sir. We, we called it knocking the teeth out of it. So when you're singing a song you could sing, Yankee Doodle went to town, but then you had to n- knock the teeth out of it to make it real country and go, Yankee Doodle went to town. <laughs> had to have a little whistle in there. Mm, yep.
0: What were <laughs> your thoughts about Stan's story in this with the kids?
1: It's very typical of of a show like this any show with like a grandpa character of the generation gap sort of thing of like i don't want to hang out with grandpa and grandpa's got feelings too but grandpa's a grump but he's still depressed because his his you know he wanted some he wanted to go fishing with the kids like his grandpa went fishing with him and it's the presentation of it that makes it more interesting in the show. You know, they, they, the way they illustrate it by him going from boat to boat and seeing, you know, more functional relationships happening as these shows always do. They sort of resolve with like, yeah, it's kind of a dysfunctional relationship, but in the end, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna rally behind Grunkle Stan, you know, cause they care about Grunkle Stan's feelings. It's basically a, and a uh, basically an empathy generational empathy sort of episode you know it's it's very standard in the in a sh- show with dynamics like this to establish it sort of early on yeah it's it it serves that 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 function
0: I actually found Dipper and Mabel very relatable because I went through that too when when I was in middle school and high school like I just dreaded holidays and having to get together because I'm on, on my dad's side of the family, I'm the youngest. Um, I, I mentioned last episode, I have three sisters and a brother. Three of the four of those are on my mom's side, they're my step-siblings. When it was just me and my sister Jen before my mom got remarried, I was the youngest. And so I had my sister and my older cousin Ben and his wife Gina. But like, so for a time there before people started having kids, I was always the youngest. And I remember like dreading like going to, to like family stuffs because I, I was the kid. And I, I went through that phase where I was like oh, I just don't want to be around these people they're all older I'm gonna be bored so like I found that like really relatable because I think everybody goes through that at some point in their life and now that I'm older I, I love spending time with my family I love being with my aunts and my uncles and my my fan like my siblings and my cousins all have kids now So I love being around the kids and and playing with them and stuff like that but I, I, I like how they do this because it is very relatable because nobody, everybody goes through that just like Dipper and Mabel do. But I also like how they come around at the end and they realize Zeus's whole line of like, dude, you guys are the lake monster. Boom, just that came to me. And like they, they showed that that like the, the kids do care about their grunkle. And they really did want to like, at, at the end, like they ended up having such a good time with them. I love the photo of like, Stan holding up Mabel and, like, she's cutting the shot of somebody else's net because that's just very, like, what their family does. And it's it's just really nicely done, and I like seeing how it bothers Stan, too, because it's presented in a way to, like, kids could be, like, maybe they're going that, through that with their family, but they can see how much it hurts Stan. So it's also presented in a way that, like, kids can understand that, like, our actions like that can actually affect somebody who we think might be okay with it. And, and I like how Dipper has that realization early on, like when they find the beavers, he was like, well, what are we going to tell Stan? Like we dumped him for nothing. And I think the whole thing is just presented really well, but it's also really relatable from Dipper and Mabel's point of view, but it's also relatable from Stan's point of view. Like he was upset and he's hurt, but he's also willing to accept the kids back at the end because he did want to be with them and he wanted to spend that time together and they ended up having a great afternoon together. I, I love that entire, thing because it's really well done and presented well from both sides because you can understand different Mabel's point of view but you can also understand Stan's point of view as well and they all ended up coming together at the end and they didn't, he didn't hold it against them and that's what I like about Stan Like Stan is a con man and he comes off as very grumpy and, and stuff like that but at the end of the day he loves the kids regardless he's not going to hold that over their heads because he just wants to spend that time with them and it's all really well done
1: yeah my grandfather on my mother's side was sort of like that he was grumpy and like his his catchphrase was Jesus Christ, you know. <laughs> yeah, go out on the go out on the, the river fishing with him and stuff like that. And and he was a he was a grumpy old he was a grumpy sad old man. He'd lost his wife at a young young age and never really gotten over it or whatever. But he loved like like loved having the kids around. You wouldn't know it. <laughs> he loved getting us over there, having us mow his lawn and go fishing with him and stuff and you know it was like walter matthew you're going fishing with a grumpy old guy but why the hell is he dragging you out there to go fishing if he if he's hating it you know and he was he was loving it it was probably like what he got joy out of life with but you never would have known it (laughs) they they have to play it up more in the in in a show like this you know they have to show like Grunkle Rex reacting a little more, you know, broadly or whatever. But it's I love that you
0: called him Grunkle Rex. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna
1: do that all the time because of you. This is like we were talking about with the last one with the with the with boy crazy Mabel. This one just plays out a, a very standard familial dynamic, which is oh, I don't want to go camping. At, I don't want to go to old Grandpa's camp and blah blah blah. And then you go there and you you slump around for the first few days and gripe about how you wish you could be playing your video games and stuff and then after two weeks you don't want to go home
0: I so love it's... the line where it's opening and like they're like what are you playing at Stan? He's like well the guys won't like at the lot don't trust me or whatever and Mabel looks at Dipper and or goes, like me, <laughs> and Mabel looks at Dipper and he's like I think he actually wants to go fishing with us <laughs> And it's true, he actually just truly wanted to go fishing with them. And it, it's nicely established, because it is established that, like, Stan is a con man, so, like, it makes sense for the kids to be questioning him, like, what are you going to get out of this? And then they actually realize, oh, he actually just wants to spend time with us. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, of course, he does preface it by blindfolding them and, <laughs> and being very cryptic and, and mysterious about it, so.
0: I up the whole thing. They're like... I'm, Grunkle Stan, are you also blindfolded? No, but these cataracts, I might as well be. <laughs> I love how they just write a Grunkle Stan just as an old man. He's just an old man, and he has old man things that he does.
1: Yeah, he pulls out wads of earwax out of his ear and stuff.
0: Oh, I, I didn't mention it last episode, but one of my favorite jokes is like when Dipper's trying to hide the journal from him, and he pulls out uh, the magazine that's old, like gold chains for old men. And Grunkle Stan's just like that's a really good issue. Mm, that's a
1: good <laughs> issue there. You got there, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's a really good issue. <laughs> I love it so much. And I like it just in the comparison between like Dipper Mabel and Stan to like old man McGucket and his son. It doesn't seem like old man McGucket ever gets that from his son. And it kind of makes me hate his son a lot. How much of this would have been saved if, you know, his son had just been like, all right, dad, let's put some time together.
1: To be fair, we don't know the history of him and his son. His son might have good reasons, but just poor coping mechanisms. (laughs) I I mean, we're getting a little too, too, maybe putting too much of it into it in the cartoon, but. Yeah, no, that I mean they were just in broad strokes showing that the the, the dynamic, the family business dynamic.
0: You know, now, now that I think about it, I don't think we see McGucket's son again in the series. And, Not and now that I think about it.
1: You saw all the working families on the lake and then the dysfunctional families, old man McGucket, and he's a he's a supervillain because of it, you know. Yeah. So it's There you go.
0: One kind of end joke. um, So the two twins that were in the boat boat with the other old man, they're like, Grandpa, I love you. Maybe he doesn't have anyone who loves him. They're drawn purposely to look like Dipper and Mabel, and they are jokingly called the Good Pines twins because they're foils to Dipper and Mabel. They're they're not big characters, but every once in a while you'll see them in the background. They're kind of like
1: Ned Flanders kids, Rod and Todd sort of.
0: Yeah, and so like they're they're not big characters, but every once in a while you'll see them in the background, and they're they're known as like the good Dipper and the good Maple. <laughs> so, all right. So the other thing I want to talk about is Seuss, because Seuss to me, this is the first because like last episode in the pilot he's just kind of there and he's just like here Dipper, here's a shovel and here's the car keys, bye. But in this one like is the first time we really get to see a Seuss as a character and like who he is and how he works and. The the more and more I watch the show, the more and more I I just love Seuss. To me, he really is the rock of the show because we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Like, you know, Stan's a con man. Like, Dipper is in his head all the time and Mabel has this, like, high-energy, chaotic nature to her. And Seuss is, as you said last time, he's just this zen character. He's just, like, he's there and he provides this knowledge and it's just kind of like knowledge of just, like, Oh, you two are the like monsters. Hey, that just came to me. And I and I like that about him. He, like to me, like he is He's the like the Jiminy
1: of... Cricket, basically.
0: Yeah, but as a handyman at the mystery shack. <laughs>
1: right, right. He he, he he he's he's the wisdom that comes from he's the low he's the lowest rung on the totem pole by appearance. He should be the guy who's just kinda dumb and that we got him to change light bulbs, but he's really the guy who's on top of everything. By yeah. just being generally, he's just comfortable in his own skin.
0: Yeah, and, and something that I will I will probably constantly bring up in the course of the show is how much he's just willing to fight for the kids. That like when they are running towards what they think is the monster, but it ends up being the beavers. Before Steve runs after him, he picks up a stick because he's ready to fight and defend these kids. Like when the Gobblewonker first appears behind Dipper, like he actually puts his hand on Mabel and pulls her backwards away from it.
1: And, yeah, it's, uh, it's unwavering as, dog loyalty. It
0: actually, to me, it's it's so weird, but he almost reminds me of like if Stan's the male man, he's almost like the mom of the series. He's he's there to provide that like mom wisdom and that mom protection, even though he's not the mom. But he he always reminds me of like. The mom figure in a lot of these shows, where he's there to give the wisdom, protect the kids, and and nurture them, because Stan's not like well, really a nurturer, but yeah, Stan, but no, Seuss is kind Stan of. Stan is not
1: comfortable with emotions, whereas Jesus does. Seuss does not. He has no guile about it. He's he said he obviously like speaks frankly and emotionally, you know, without any kind of like artifice to it. He's almost presented as a naive character, but he's not naive. He's presented as competent because he's a handyman, but he's also emotionally competent. And he's also intellectually competent, too, but he has all the physical trappings of being slow and dumb.
0: And I think that's like what makes him such a good character, because he's really the one character the more I watch the series, the more and more I fall in love with. I mean, the,
1: the teeth they give him, they give him, like... Beaver teeth. teeth. Make him, yeah, yeah, that make him look dumb. You he kind of looks
0: like a mouse.
1: Yeah, and, like, if he was in a 60s cartoon, like in a Magilla Gorilla cartoon, he would be the character who would be like, Dah, what do you mean by that? You know, he would be legitimately, like, mind-numbingly dumb character and childlike in a bad way. But this, this is, flips it around. He's... He sounds dumb and childlike, but he's probably the most, like...
0: He's the smartest person in the room.
1: Yes, he's the smartest person and the the most well-adjusted person in the room, too.
0: And I also, like, Seuss is often used as a character, and I liked him in this, where he's kind of, like, the commentary for other shows. Like, when they're going through the whole camera thing, and they're like, what's what's the number one problem with a monster hunt? And he's like, when a side character dies in the first five minutes, dude, am I a side character? Do you ever think about stuff like that? <laughs> and, like, he, he just has those kind of, like, meta moments where, like, he's in a TV show, and it's almost like yeah. he's... But it also built like builds a realism to the show they're, too. They're, they're built
1: more meta on the show, but they're more. Those are the like, dude. Did you ever think that the planet Earth is just a molecule? Is just a molecule in like another planet in a bigger universe? Type yeah. Of I, I, they they've taken the stoner aspect of him. And made it a little more meta, but it's still like to an adult that lands as a as a as your like stoned roommate just going like, dude
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe but...
1: I'm the red shirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I like that because that is stuff that I've done with my friends where I'm just like do you ever think about that? Like, guys. And it it gives very much, like, a realism to the show, too, where you could actually see these conversations happen because I've had those conversations with my friends. I just also think of the scene where they're running away through the woods from the gobblewonker and he grabs Mabel and he's, like, carrying Mabel and then when Dipper tries to go back for the camera, he grabs Dipper and he won't let him go back because he's going to protect these kids no matter what. And I, I like his role. He's, like, this, like, brother motherly stable person in their chaotic lives and yeah,
1: i and he and just when rolls he does that stuff, like it's, it's it's
0: just a monster thing like it's a monster okay it's gravity falls we have monsters and he's just yeah. gonna roll with it
1: and in, in in an old scooby doo cartoon he would like he does he does that stuff instinctively he just automatically grabs stuff which is what makes him motherly it's it's more done just out of instinct he does it without thinking Whereas in an old 70s, like if he was in Scooby-Doo, if he was a character in Scooby-Doo, he would be like shaggy. He would be like, let's get out of here, you know. We're Seuss? And, and it's like, there he goes, and you would just see a trail of dust. I, I like that they turn the tropes of cartoons on their head because it sucks when in culture, if you're the fat kid in a group of your friends, you get treated like the fat kid in the cartoons you watch. It, that dynamic gets established, and and nowadays, like the guy who looks kind of dumb and goofy is, it could actually be the the smartest person in the room, which is I, actual reality too. You know, he could be, he could be a dumb a dumb lummox, but he's more likely to be a dumb lummox if every time you see <laughs> a big fat guy in a cartoon or a TV show, that that they're a dumb lummox, and people start treating you like a dumb lummox, and then. You start feeling like a dumb lummox, and you start acting like a dumb lummox. So I'm, I'm I, I, you... I like that they do this in cartoons nowadays. That they just like let characters be characters. You know, they don't physically type characters to their personality types anymore.
0: I, I'm glad much. you brought that up because I, I feel very much the same way. Like thinking about it, I don't I really don't ever play Seuss that way. I, I think they only ever. I think there's only, like, one time where – it's usually Grunkle Stan, and we know that Stan's an unreliable person. Whoever's like, Seuss, you're you're kind of dumb. And Seuss is like, I'm fine with that. And I think it's only Stan, but we know that Stan is not supposed to be this, like, super likable guy. So it makes sense because the twins never treat him that way. Like, he's just Seuss, and they always – Treat him as just Seuss, and so the only person that does do that is Stan, and I like that in the show because he he's allowed to just be Seuss, and he's just as much as part of the world as Dipper and Mabel is, and they accept him for it. Like I love just the little scene where him and Mabel are rapping, and and he's just like, dude, this is brilliant. We should write this down because they just accept Seuss as being Seuss. Yeah. and
1: Well, our our, our society is moved. I mean, well, let's go to uh, uh Peanuts cartoons and and stuff when when, and, and especially in the 70s where you would have a character that's different in some way they're they're a different color than the main characters or you know not in the 70s it wouldn't be a gay character or anything like that but you know maybe like a jewish character or something in a cartoon It was it was in that time period, you know, the the social messaging was like you you should understand and like people should understand and like each other and and respect and and be curious about each other's differences and stuff. But it almost had to be just spelled out like, you know, like they had to have a scene in a and it's funny because this is what people complain about nowadays, but it was way worse. It like so. And and I say worse as in more there, not worse as in
0: Like the GI, as G.I. As in, Joe, it was
1: bad. Joe Joe thing. Well, it wasn't bad, but like when they they had to do stuff like make you aware that like, oh, you know, somebody had to spell it out and say like, Oh, this character is black, but they should sit at the table with us on in the cartoon during Thanksgiving.
0: Or or if this was in the seventies, it'd be like it's a sports thing and like Seuss being that right. big there, guy there, is there the there guy be- who who hit the
1: home run? There would be one character who's like, I don't know, you know, Hanukkah seems kind of weird to me, and I don't. And they would be, like, and then they would figure it out by the end. But nowadays, the portrayal of someone who's different, they don't have to. They 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 don't portray the people as different as. It doesn't even have to become a big theme of the. St- there were a lot of storylines where the whole theme was this person seems different, but once you understand them, you understand that they're a person too.
0: That, that's a, a, just kind of give like a little like Seuss background. Like his last name is Ramirez, and Seuss is a person of color. Um, he's Hispanic. I actually later in the show we're gonna meet his abuelita just so you know that he has an Abluita. and it's it's nice because he's also like in a in a town that's very white like he is also like the person of color of the, of the cast and i like that they are they don't have like a psa of like this is the spanish episode with Sp- with seuss like he's just allowed to be a seuss
1: well, well yeah <laughs> and 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 he does they don't give him like a hey man you know type yes. accent or anything and and I automatically, I've been calling him Jesus actually, because I just think of him as Jesus. Because, but that's, be- and I automatically thought of him as Jesus and Hispanic. But just because I had a boss who was named Jesus, and we called him Seuss, you know, as soon as I heard him call him Seuss, I'm like, oh, it's short for Jesus. And maybe that made me like sympathetic to him at all, because I really like that boss. His, so like, his
0: first name is actually uh, Jesus.
1: Um, Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, it's Jesus
0: Alza uh, Morano Ramirez.
1: In the old days, they would have had to been like, "Oh, we don't like Jesus" or whatever, and then they have to go through. But nowadays, it's not as factored in in our society. So when you see portrayal of people who are quote unquote different or not in a majority sample of a demographic, they're just portrayed as just being there, like like Seuss's, you know. And the other people react to them much as do the younger generations. As an old guy. There's no issue about the color of your skin or, or any of that background stuff at this point. All the characters are just sort of dealt with as they are. You know that they are whatever they are because you can see them or that you'll go to their house and see something. But it's never, not never, but it's not as much. It's very infrequently made the crux of the storyline. The, the, the stuff that they seem to be dealing with in cartoons now are more nuanced on interpersonal relationships between people. It's it's a more nuanced conversation. Now that we've got like yes everybody's everybody's on the same playing field as humans, now you can start working on things that you worked on before like jealousy and you know, loneliness or any any kind of all the emotions and foibles of human interaction, but they're worked on on a, a deeper and more nuanced level now because there's a whole level introductory level of like, hey, everybody's all right. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. already been established more or less. You know, it's never going to be a hundred percent established uh, uh, apparently it's it's working on a deeper level and that's really good that's progress
0: a show that we're gonna eventually get to on this podcast is the current run of Shira, uh princesses of power that that's running on netflix and one of the reasons why i love that show so much is for everything that you've been saying it just it's so nuanced like like noelle stevenson when she created the show she said from the get-go assume everyone is queer unless you're told otherwise. So you're just, like, watching this world where you're, it, like, it's perfectly fine for Adora to see a muscly woman and just be like, she's amazing! Ah! <laughs> and because that's just the world. It's just part of, like, everybody is who they are, and it's totally cool if you're like a woman. But then you also get stories like like Adora and Catra, where... They're, Adora and Katra's entire relationship is they were both abused when they were raised and Adora handles that abuse one way and Katra uh, handles that abuse a different way and neither of them are right and it's that's why it's so fascinating to watch how they handle it because Katra is constantly lashing out and taking it out on other people and then Adora's abuse gives her, like, a total thing of imposter syndrome, and how they handle it, like, there's no one right way to handle it, and there's no, like, we see, like, it's it's so hard to say that Katra is wrong in how she yeah. acts the way she is, because... You understand that she's acting that way because she was abused. It's not right that she's being toxic and hurting people, but you also under, understand her story of why she's acting that way, oh. and and that's why it's like that's why I love animation today is yeah. because you well, get stories like that where they're so nuanced and it's well okay. that might be a
1: great example because have you ever seen I, I haven't seen many but I saw them when they were on you know I'd catch them every once in a while the He Man Shira the old cartoons.
0: I never I, I tried to go back and rewatch them because I really fell in love with Netflix's She-Ra and it's so hard
1: to watch. No, they're they're, they're toy ads. You <laughs> yeah, know they're they toy are, ads. They, they, they have messages in them, but the messages are very broad and just ham handed or whatever. They're very churned out animation. They're very generic animation and generic stories and stuff. And just the fact that like to to have She-Ra going now that you actually can use the term imposter syndrome <laughs> in describing a, a TV what's show. going on in in <laughs> she now it shows what's what's changed and i mean there's people who are gonna like that and there's people who are not and then there's stuff like that that's gonna be ri- better written and stuff like that that's not better written but just in general it, it's Dealt with on such a, a more sophisticated level these days than it was. I think it basically comes down to respecting the intelligence of the younger people who are going to be watching this, and that might not be on purpose as much as also in this day and age. There's a and this is like something the Japanese were way ahead of us on. There's a lot of adults that watch cartoons, and also a lot of and there's also an awareness that adults are watching cartoons Adults aren't using the TV like a babysitter like they used to in my generation. So adults are watching the cartoons with their kids. If the adults are going to watch it, you might as well make it appealing for them too because it makes it more likely to get better ratings. But either way, it results in a more sophisticated cartoon and it's obvious the kids are up to processing something. Whether as a society we've, we've come forward to where we can process cartoons like this better with our kids or the kids were just able to process it all the time which is what I believe And <laughs> cartoons have just gotten smarter to catch up with you they're not talking down to kids like they used to
0: I'm, I'm so happy that like I one of one of my favorite jobs is several years ago I used to be a nanny and I loved being a nanny I loved being able to work with my kids and I, I was with one family that I just I, I grew up with that's actually like my, my friend Shelly had shown me oh Oh, excuse me yeah the first burp of the podcast there you Um, go so like when I when I first was getting introduced to Gravity Falls uh, my friend Shelly had shown me the episode the time traveling pig which I mentioned last week was my first episode of Gravity Falls but I didn't dive into it right away until I had realized as a nanny that what my the girl I was watching in the family was watching this show so I was like okay well let me sit down and let me watch this with Liddy And it ended up being just such a helpful tool because Mabel was very much like Liddy. They were very, like Liddy was a couple years younger than Mabel. She was 10, Mabel's 12, but they were very close in age, but they were very similar. So I was then able... like That was actually why I started watching Gravity Falls was because, as a nanny, my kid was watching this. And then I was able to use that as a tool to be able to talk to Liddy because I'd, I'd be able to go to Gravity Falls and be like, well, do you remember, like, I know how you're feeling this. Do you remember how Mabel handled that? And, like, we would talk about Mabel and use that as a way for Liddy to express her feelings about certain things that was going on. And so it's it, it became, like, really helpful because not only did it become the show that I was enjoying, like, I got excited because I would watch the new episodes when they would air, and then I would go to work and, like, watch it with Lydia, and we'd be able to talk about these things. And it, it, it was, so it was so, like, I don't, I personally, I don't have kids of my own. I have a bajillion nieces and nephews, but I don't have kids of my own. So it was just such a wonderful tool now seeing these shows of, to, to use another show that we talk about on J-Guys and Jedi, Star Wars Rebels, I, I was li- re- recently listening to my friend's podcast, Friend of the Force, and it's hosted by Brad Whipple. He's a friend of our show, uh, of our other show, I should say. And he had been interviewing this woman named Aubrey Rose. And Aubrey is an American who now lives in Ukraine. Ukraine's going through, still going through a war with Russia, where Russia invaded them several years ago. And she was using Star Wars Rebels because um, she works in an orphanage. Let me let me clarify the background. She works in an orphanage um, in Ukraine and they would watch Star Wars Rebels, which is a show about Ezra Bridger, a 14 year old who is going through war. And so they were able to use this show in context to explain the actual war happening to these children. These children who had lost their parents in this ongoing war that's still happening today and able to use these cartoons to explain their feelings and their emotions. And that's just the power of animation we have today. We have like shows like Steven Universe where they have an entire song about anxiety. There's a song called Here Comes a Thought, and it's about anxiety that Connie is feeling because she messed up and she was anxious and she was like breaking down because of it. And Garnet sits down and sings her a song called Here Comes a Thought, and they have this animation sequence that this is what anxiety looks like. And it's just it's so amazing that we have these kind of shows today that we can now use these as not only like teaching experience for children, but as a way for adults to connect with children through these narrative themes that we're now watching.
1: Now that I'm thinking about it, they used to have stuff like this when I was a kid, but it was presented in a different way. It was there was a a husband and wife team and uh, I can never remember their first names, but their last name was Hubley and they did a lot of very nuanced and like almost reaching into your subconscious type of stuff. And like their cartoons were made. They, they they weren't like a cartoon series. You know, they would make a like one of their more famous ones. You would see it on HBO in between movies, you know, as a short subject. It was called Cockabooty. And they'd taken a tape recorder and just tape recorded their little, their two daughters who were just just able to talk, playing with each other and and fantasizing and just that sort of like nonsensical but it was the kids playing totally unaware that they were being taped and then they animated to it and had stuff what the kids were doing come to life and stuff and it was amazing. They did one about a kid who rides his bike with a talking rock and his dog through the rock layers of the the earth and shows that like a geology type thing. And you would see it as a special, you know, like you would watch it Saturday or Sunday, you would be watching the cartoons and there would be like one in the afternoon, one of them would just pop on randomly. And it would deal with nuanced or have something. And those are always like these cartoons that people my age remember forever from their childhood and go like, sometimes I don't even know if it was a dream or I really saw but I remember everything about it and now the that, that type of content is almost the standard content or it's at least the stuff that's on the the better end of the i mean there's a massive amount of cartoons made between like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon and all that stuff but for the the, the large amount of it that's really high quality is is more like that but they you know, it was harder to ma- it was more money and time intensive also to make stuff like that in those days. Now you can yeah. make a show. I'm glad that people choose to make shows like that now that they can.
0: Um well, that's really all I have. Are you ready to go on to part two? Yes. So part two, which is your speculations and your theories. so. What are your speculations and theories? Have they changed from last episode? Do you have other speculations and theories that you wish to add?
1: Not really, because not well, I do have other speculations and theories, but they're all just sort of like what I can see. I didn't see anything like that gave me any more insight into Stan or anything with his with his secret room or something. Except that he did mention the guys at the lodge, but that's sort of like a that's sort of a trope of old guys saying to the guys at the lodge, we have our secret ceremonies where we're in, and then we get drunk. but you know in the context of the show, the guys at the lodge could be really interesting to see how that who those guys are. But my predictions are just sort of things that I think I'm going to see in the show and as I said before, I think I'm going to see more of the beavers. or I hope to see more of the beavers anyway, because I like the beavers.
0: I like the beavers too.
1: I, I I think we're definitely I love <laughs> I, I think we're definitely going to see Bigfoot because we I I definitely caught the like security cam freeze frame of Bigfoot in the woods and I think I think there's definitely got to be a UFO of some sort whether it gets faked out into something else or that we're going to see a UFO in the show and I think we're going to see a take on the Mothman. This seems like the kind of show that might make some sort of Mothman episode. So It's all just sort of wild speculation. It's not as much based on anything in the episode except for the beavers.
0: Outside of uh, Stan, do you have any theories or speculations about any of the characters?
1: No, I do think Stan could possibly be the Yoda of this where he does know all that's going on. He might have a bank of cameras down in in that room, but he might be Yoda. But as far as the other characters, no, not really. I don't know enough. Not enough information yet to start making any in depth. You know, obviously you were you were you were giving me breadcrumbs on the old Hick, but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick up on that without your breadcrumbs. So was I giving you breadcrumbs? You were you, well. You, Are you sure? You were, you were talking cryptically about about old man McGucket. So
0: what if I'm just throwing you red herrings?
1: You could be. You could be. I'm quite.
0: I mean, I'm, maybe I'm, you I'm should sophisticated be
1: looking... enough to know that you could be doing that, but I also know you well enough to know that you know you might not be doing that.
0: I mean, maybe you should be looking out for Lacey Susan. I maybe mean, I her should. one her her one eye.
1: Maybe maybe I should. Or
0: maybe the, <laughs> or may, Maybe Manly Dan. Like did you count how many times he punched a fish? 5. <laughs> this saved right. my
1: first rodeo hope. <laughs>
0: This is the show that's made for you. So,
1: all right. Off on the fish punching.
0: Dad, 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 dad. (laughs) All right. And on to part three, which is our cypher corner and connections to previous episodes. There are no connections to the first episode in this one that you should really be looking out for. But I will say, we will be coming back to this episode. There are some things hidden in this episode that's going to be coming back later in the season. So we will be touching back on this episode. So I will say that. So keep that in mind. And then there is, again, every Gravity Falls episode, there's a cryptogram at the end of the credits. And when that cryptogram is decoded, it says in big letters, next week return to butt island <laughs> we don't return to butt island
1: so they're just making jokes they're just teaching you how to do the cryptograms so you can do the real cryptograms later
0: yeah especially as the series gets more into it like they have like people will like take pages from the journal and just like start deciphering them so. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> all right well that's all i have for legends of the Gobblewonkers. so what are your final thoughts about the episode
1: I liked it a lot, slightly less than the other one, just because I liked the Monster of the Week so much last week. I, I liked... do
0: like the uh, thing where it's like, oh, there is no monster, and then at the very end, you get to see the
1: real monster. Yeah, yeah, the, there is another a monster. It's, a, it's kind of a cheap gag, but that's what we're going for in this show, so we might as well, you know, we might as well have a, a real monster in the lake, too. I just find it funny... That a mechanical monster, like taking a picture for the contest of the mechanical monster, wouldn't be as potentially awesome and award-winning as the other pictures, which are probably of fake monsters too anyway. Catching someone who's made a mechanical lake monster that actually can swim at like 60 miles an hour with functioning eyes and neck and all that wouldn't be an award with a thousand dollar winning photo, you know, I was just they were just like, Oh, it's not a real monster. We, we can't win with this. It's like, what are you talking about? This news story would get national headlines.
0: <laughs> don't say that it's fake. Just submit the photos and then Mabel gets her hamster ball. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. They don't care. They don't care that it was like a week. It was basically a fake version of weekly world news that he was reading. So it's like, yeah, they don't care. Just get them the picture, man. That's, yeah. that's $1,000 worth of picture. I am going to take this more on kid logic than I am, say, an episode of Rebels or Clone Wars. You know what I mean? By yeah. going like, why wouldn't they do this? It's getting a lot more leeway in the future. But I liked it. If It would probably get a point less than the last one just off the gnomes. But
0: You really liked those gnomes.
1: I did. I like gnomes in general. Yeah, I I had the gnomes book when I was a little kid.
0: Aw, I did not know that.
1: I (laughs) still have the gnomes book.
0: (laughs) Well, for me, I I love this episode so much. It has so much heart, and it continues to be funny. I love seeing the townspeople. The townspeople are one of my favorite parts of Gravity Falls, just as a whole. Seuss really shines, and he's just such a wonderful character, and he's such a fucking rock. And Dipper and Mabel are so relatable, and they have a really nice turnaround, and I, I like how... They present Dipper and Mabel's situation, but they also present stans too. So I just, I really love this episode a lot. Um, And that's all I have. So where can people find you, Chris?
1: My home base is at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our website where all of our podcasts live. But you can also find all of our podcasts, of course, on Twitter and Facebook if you search for 2TrueFreaks.
0: Yep, and you can also find me and Chris together on J Guys and Jedi. That's our yep. Star Wars podcast where we do all of the Filoniverse. We've already done all of Clone Wars except for Season 7 because it's running right now. We are currently finishing up Season 3 of Rebels. And then we're going to be doing Season 7 of Clone Wars, Resistance, Freemaker Adventures, The Mandalorian. So we pretty much talk everything Filoniverse over on J Guys and Jedi if you want to hear more of us over there. You can find me at Hope HopeMolomax on Twitter. I, of course, have my website geekygirlexperience.com as this is the Geeky Girl Experience exclusive Patreon podcast. Patreon exclusive podcast is what I should say. And I also write fan fiction on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia, where you can find all my slew of Star Wars fan fiction. Eee, episode 2! Forgot to look up what's next week. Crowdy Falls Season 1. What is next time, I should say, because this is bi-weekly. <laughs> I keep saying next week, because I'm used to us doing a weekly podcast with J-Guys and Jedi. <laughs> Ooh, Next week is an episode called Headhunters. Do you wanna Do you wanna hear the summary of next week's episode?
1: No, I don't.
0: Okay, so I we don't t-
1: want to know nothing. Hope. All nothing. right.
0: Well, next time we'll be talking I'll, about I'll headhunters. I'll
1: accept the title because that's always going to just spur my imagination.
0: I will say Headhunters is probably my least favorite episode of Gravity Falls, but that's also not a bad thing because it's still a fun... There is no bad episode of Gravity Falls, but it's it's probably my least favorite one. It's it's the one that I'm just kind of like,
1: ah that's how i felt about like all the material we've covered so far (laughs) together i haven't gotten anything where i'm like i hate this take it and flush it down the toilet so
0: yeah like it's like like i like every episode of gravity falls but this is probably the one that i'm just like if i was doing a rewatch this is the one i i tend to skip because i'm just like oh it's that episode
1: i i just i'm just operating under the rule of the less chris knows more entertaining it potentially could be
0: (laughs) i'm so excited (laughs) for you All right, well, we will see you next time, you guys. See you later. Bye. Hey, guys. Did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind-the-scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye!